Go ahead, Ray. You! You worthless piece of slime! You ignorant, disgusting clown! Nothing but an unstable short chain molecule! It's the stuff. It's like pure concentrated evil. It's all flowing right to this spot. Material devolution has begun. It's the return of the pod. Back at it again. Your friends, Matt and Devin. How are you doing this beautiful, sunny day in San Diego, Matt? I am doing great, Devin. It has been a while, but we are back in the pocket, and uh, we got a new one here. Um, you know, and uh, I'm ready to do it, man. Let's 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 talk a little healthcare. Let's- Let's catch a heater. Set the tone. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just jump right into it. Um, basically, last week I sent you over a, a uh, an article about United Healthcare and saying that they were may re- retroactively reject non emergent ER claims uh, under their new coverage policy, uh, and it was supposed to go into effect July first. And being the caring uh, you know behemoth of a company that they are, they said, you know what, we we're going to hold off until after the pandemic o- is over, after the national emergency is over. So we won't retroactively. Um, you know, not pay for your coverage uh, when you go to the emergency room. If we deem it that it wasn't emergent, if it, you know, so you know, think about that. So in hindsight, they're going to assess whether or not your trip to the emergency room necessitated what was actually an emergency or not. Um, and uh, pretty, pretty crazy, um, kind of unconscionable. It, it, they're saying that it's to to um, cut down on unnecessary ER visits, which total $32 billion annually. Um, so what they're saying is, like, if you're tripping out and you think you're dying, like, we want you to be really sure that, like, you know you're dying. Like, if you just think it's a possibility, just just take a chill pill, go on Google. Yeah, you could go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you might, got, you're probably, probably going to be okay. You got WebMD, um, you know. So, like, yeah. I don't get it. On what, on what contingent basis were they saying, like, you should determine whether or not, like, it's an actual emergency or not? Because, like, they're under the assumption like these are unnecessary visits, but I'm sure the person who went to the ER at that time did not believe it was unnecessary. They right? don't. They don't even state whether like what the what the criteria is. Um, basically, it just says that um, you know that for not if we deem this that it's non emergent, then you should have went to uh, the urgent, urgent care, care or a specialist or waited. Um, so I'm sorry that that heartburn uh, that you thought was a heart attack. Um, was actually heartburn and you wanted to make sure that you didn't die uh, in your sofa um, taking some Tums, uh, then, you know, you're going to pay. I mean, what's it say about the modern state of healthcare where like people are so unhealthy that we've created a cottage industry that's $30 billion plus of people who think they're dying, but actually aren't. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could be anything, right? I mean, like, what if you go there and, and you think that, you know, what if you what if you have a cut that you think is, you know, you're bleeding out, but it's not really that bad and it's it's not necessarily an emergency? Or what if you hit yeah, your these head? Numbers, these numbers are just like, they, they kind of, you know, twist your brain because is it like a real 30 billion? Like you're saying, like, is this really like unnecessary? If you can't really qualify it with like a good, clear explanation of what makes it unnecessary, you know, like you said, somebody who had a heartburn and thought they were having a heart attack. That probably would qualify, but like, where's the line in the sand? It's definitely a huge gray area. Well, here's the thing. So the CDC says that only 3% of, of ER visits are actually considered non-emergent. So that $32 billion it only consists of thirty-two uh, 3% of all ER visits in the first place. So if they're really trying to cut costs, this, like, this isn't the way to, to, to cut costs. I mean, let's face it. They also made $257 billion in revenue uh, in 2020. So 
um, with a, with a net profit of thirteen point eight billion in twenty nineteen. So you know they're trying to cut they're out. Doing okay. Yeah, they're they're, they're all right. doing all right. Even spending these like you know what they consider non emergent you know uh, emergencies uh, to these people. So um, you know obviously. It, it, it's a way to it's a way to pad their profits, right? It's a way to uh, enrich their shareholders and 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 then that thing. But I think it also you know makes you look at the cost of of, of hospital care in general, right? If it's thirty two billion dollars and these and this is considered non emergent care, you know what kind of care are they receiving and how much does this care cost from the healthcare provider? Well, you get into like a dangerous situation because. If it becomes profit incentivized, then the costs aren't based on what the real costs are. They're based on what the care provider believes the profit margin should be in providing that service to you. It's why insulin costs hundreds of dollars, but it costs pennies to make, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because whoever created it said, oh, based on you know the theoretical, we, we spent money researching it or holding our patents or whatever, we're therefore entitled to 17,000% profits in perpetuity. You know, like it becomes a dangerous, dangerous, slippery slope in that situation. I mean, I think it all ties back to ultimately, uh, you know, this endless debate we've been in where like the only popular policy seems to be, you know, in this country right now, over 50% is like, people are like, we need to fix this Medicare thing, Medicare for all, even if it's popular, there's no political willpower to actually achieve it. But it seems like that would be the only clear long-term solution to completely cutting all these unnecessarily bloated costs that are associated with healthcare. Because if it's just implied, well, like this is going to be a necessary, uh, something you eat in healthcare will be, you know, ER visits where people mistakenly think they're dying and go, then it doesn't become like this thing where it's like, oh, we need to reduce this. It's just like this, this is going to be part of healthcare. Yeah, but don't people you think, think it has, dying, don't you gonna, think it has to be? I mean, it has to be. I mean, you have to have this umbrella to, to catch people and you don't want to, you don't want to deter them from, from going and seeking emergency care if they actually need it. You know what I'm saying? You don't want somebody at home debating on whether or not they're having a heart attack or not, right? Or whether or not they're, or whether or not they hit their head, you know, hard enough to constitute like, Hey, you know what? I might have something going on inside. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Somebody's going to drive me to the hospital. Check it out. Just to check it out. Bills like this though, to discourage people. Like that's the whole point. Like it's to discourage poor people from trying to like get care. (laughs) What? Yeah. Well, you mean like this whole, like what bill? Which bill? No, I'm just saying like this whole movement, like with the, with this news article you sent, like it was. Uh, oh yeah, that's you know. United Healthcare, right? So I mean, this yeah, is. Yeah. I mean, this is private. I mean, you pay for this, right? So like you're paying, you're paying your monthly deductible, and then they're still saying like, hey, sorry, uh, you know what? Well, we decided that uh, United you know, two Healthcare months later, is the country's largest health insurance company. They are, yeah, you know? absolutely. And yep. because this country has healthcare the way it is, its employer like you know granted or whatever, it's like you really don't have that much choice in who your healthcare provider is. You get locked into limited choices based on availability or who your employer works with, based on these associations with the government, which is basically you know business dickwag. Oh yeah, my my employer like, just like changed. Pull with my, each other. my employer just changed our healthcare uh, at the first of this year, and we went from having a really great what I would call like a Cadillac plan to something that's like lesser, way lesser than uh, than that. And I mean, it's already terrible. Trying to get any kind of wellness care in the United States anyway to take care of your body, you know, God forbid you want to just optimize yourself and make sure that you're running the best possible so you don't get sick. Um, but you know, we 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 have sick care, right? It, where it's like, no, we'll take care of you when you go to the hospital. You're not going to get this quote unquote 
um, experimental drug that's been around for 12 freaking years shot in your arm. We'd much rather just get, get the, get the orthopedic surgeon to cut you open. And we're going to spend $30,000 to the, to the hospital to, uh, to repair that instead. You know, yeah, it's definitely a delicate situation when, when those are the alternatives. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, I, and, and that's what I mean. Like, I, you know, I mean, you, you and myself, and 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 your brother, I, you know, we we we're, we're people that you know try to you know try to try to live healthy, eat healthy, work out, you know, see 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 a physician or a doctor to to maintain that health, not to to get wrecked and then you know and take you know terrible care of our bodies and then when everything shuts down because you know our arteries are clogged or and we weigh three hundred pounds, then all of a sudden we need care um you know but they don't really want you to be healthy they don't really actually care about whether you're healthy or not ultimately what they want is for it to be profitable to have you as a client so that means it's profitable if you are healthy and you never show up because we just collect your money then funny to show up if you do show up, you could theoretically cost us. So we need to add deductibles and co-pays and all these fees now. So it actually does make sense to insure you so we can make a bunch of money off of it. Funny that you, either one of those things, if not, now you're actually hit that deductible, you're costing us money. Now we got to assess whether we want you as a client. This could be a pre-existing condition. We might have to get rid of you. Yeah, plan, yeah exactly. You're going to have to audit. What you pay us, what you pay us for, we, we can't provide you that service any longer because it's not profitable. That's so funny that you said that because actually in 2020, the revenues of United Healthcare were up 6% from 2019. And most of that was what they said it was caused because people divert, deferred non-emergent care, which led to massive profits in 2020. So because yeah. people weren't going, you know, weren't getting elective surgeries and other things done, they, uh, they, they profited from that. So they actually had a better year last year than a uh, year prior. During because the they actually pandemic. provided they provided less critical services. That's you right. Could, actually, you actually couldn't get critical services for certain parts. Of that's the right. Year. They exactly. were surgeries, elective yeah. surgeries, all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. So that's funny. That just says that just speaks to exactly what you were just saying. I mean, that's that's one hundred percent. You know, the the case. I, it, yeah, I. It's crazy. And then, like, let's go. Let's go to what you were saying about you. Ha- your you the limited choice, right? So, so healthcare providers don't have to. They don't have to play in every state. Right, they don't have to provide care in every state. <clears throat> the health, the healthcare insurers, right? They don't have to, right? So they can be in this market and not in that market, and, and, and ba- a, based let, on profit, it, it's an oligarchy. They work behind the scenes to be, this is this is your market. This is your market. This is our market. We, we don't want this to get too competitive. We don't want to drive prices down. If we were all in the same markets, all offering competitive services, that would provide the cut consumer yeah. theoretically. It's in an oligopoly. Oligopoly. That's, yeah. It's just. It's just it's, like what. It's just like it's the like, most car, like the car industry is, right? The auto yeah. industry is the same way. Ford and Chevy. We all make stuff. We're going to make crossover SUVs. I already know what you're going to make. We're going to get rid of our sedans. You're going to get rid of your sedans. We're going to make SUVs. We're going to make trucks. You know, we already know pretty much exactly what everybody's doing. But now you have all these guys that are coming in, and, and you know, like Tesla and uh, some of these other little cottage industry. I mean, uh, these these little boutique, uh, you know, electric EVs that are, you know, hopefully hopefully going to disrupt that a little bit. But it's not. But anyway, continue. I digress. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to bring in, uh, you know, before we got into more like hypothetical discussions about that, because I do think you brought up an interesting point there, uh, you know, about freedom, because it's like. It's the illusion of choice, like just any, like anything else, right? It, it, exactly. You know, before I, I bring this in uh, my story, I want to discuss that. That's actually just a good segue for it, which is like, you know, freedom's kind of just like, a, it's an illusionary part of capitalism in some ways. Because, like, you need certain conditions in order for things to be effective and you to actually have real freedom. Like, for example, employment. If you don't really have money 
or like, you know, a good family with a good background who can take care of you or connections through your upbringing, then you really don't have freedom of employment in a way because there's a constant sort of Damocles dangling over your head where if I lose my job, I could be homeless. I could be on the streets. I might be living paycheck to paycheck and my health insurance benefits might be tied to my employment. So when you're like, if you don't like your job, just quit. I, well, I can't just do that. Well, like you're in a position, you're, you're in a position to be exploited, but you're told you're free to pursue employment. But if you don't have the conditions, then what good is the freedom? Because you really aren't free to do it and you're not put in a fair uh, position to pursue it. So in these ways, healthcare kind of becomes like that because like everything you have that isn't given to you by the state is then something that you need. And the four things you really need to live are food, water, shelter, and healthcare. Yeah. You need these things to live, to be alive, to be an existing human being in the world. You cannot exist without all four of these things. But we say one of them isn't a human right. But without having health care, you kind of don't have true freedom in that sense because it's like, you know what? Even if I was homeless, I'd still have people able to take care of me and, you know, give me medicine. And if I got sick, you know, like you'd be able to, to be treated in that way. But because you don't have that, it becomes another thing exerted over you where like it's another force of capitalism pushed against you because it's a metaphorical barrel of a gun where if you lose your job and lose your health care, like you're literally losing and then now you can't afford to feed yourself or shelter yourself. You're literally being put in these positions where what we consider essentials to live are being stripped away from you. What so, about the argument that people so, say if you if we have you if you if we have universal health care, um, then nobody will want to become doctors because they won't get paid enough money. Yeah, most doctors or people you I know EMTs. First off, most doctors don't start making a lot of money until later in their careers or if they go into private practice. And most doctors don't go into private practice until later in their careers. You have to establish yourself. I mean, you're not making a ton of money. Maybe you're making 80, 100 grand plus. You're working 80 to 100 hour weeks at times. You're working the most crazy hours. You're dealing with the most crazy people. It's not like this glitz and glamour job like you're day trading into stacking millions of dollars while you know, people bring you martinis by the pool. You're in the guts of the healthcare system for the most part, unless, like I said, you're a high and mighty like private doctor working in these private facilities. Most healthcare workers and healthcare people, they aren't making a ton of money. So I think that becomes something too where it becomes that thing about freedom again, where if you were given by the state a base standard of living, not an exemplary one, but guess what? We'll put you in a single room bedroom with electricity, running water and a toilet. It'll have water. We'll send you whatever food coupons or whatever for that so you could live like a scrub. But guess what? Now choosing to work would mean something. You don't have to choose to work. You can live in your little shithole, one-bedroom, no-name apartment with cable TV and drink water and eat spam. Or guess what? There's tons of jobs, and if you want to work them, you can move to better apartments. You can eat better things. You, all of a sudden, you really would be free in the sense, in the, at least in the system of capitalism, I think, if it was modified. You're where, wrong, Devin. Everybody would quit their jobs, and everybody would live in those scumbag but like, apartments. But, but like, no, like, but that's the just, argument, right? That's the argument. Yeah. The argument but is everybody's going to quit their You know, their that's job. bullshit. Like, if, of course would be, it is. Would you be happy? Would anybody be happy just sitting in this like worthless apartment, eating garbage, watching garbage, doing nothing with their lives? As people, we are motivated to do things. And I think having things like that food, water, shelter, health care, that becomes like this motivating driving force when you're given it, it gives you more agency, I think is a good word. Mm -hmm. Like when you have that agency, you have the ability to make these decisions because you're not afraid of what could happen because of all of these huge forces of nature and bureaucracy that are exerted on you without any control you have. This would be like a way us as a society of like giving each other agency, giving each other freedom 
or at least something more like it. So uh, I think it's really interesting how healthcare ties into that, you know, and like, do we have freedom unless we have our basic needs taken care of? If not, then everything we do is basically become a perpetual uh, pursuit of needing to fulfill our basic needs. And then everything becomes like Maslow's hierarchy of needs on top of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's it's you make decisions based out of fear. Like you stay in a job that you don't like or you get treated poorly or it's hostile work conditions or whatever because of exactly what you said. I'm going to lose my health care and I'm not going to be able to and, – and maybe you have a sick family member at home that you got to take care of and those costs of the of the prescription drugs will be out of, out of this world and you'll never be able to, to afford it. I mean or you're, the, or you're too poor. Uh, or you work your ass off, you're too poor, and you still can't afford uh, health care um, the way that it is, um, even on uh, the uh, on any of the marketplaces for Obamacare, uh, the Affordable right. Care Act, and or anything like that. Then it's like work harder. It's like, but I got two jobs. Well, you need a better job then. Go to school. Okay, I went to school. I got huge student loan debt. Shouldn't have taken out those loans then. Yeah, and I'm still working two jobs, and I don't have time to go to school. Right, like so. What's my options to get healthcare? So I'm making seven fifty an hour, and uh, you know, which is what twenty four thousand dollars a year or something like that. And the average healthcare cost is eleven hundred dollars for a family a year. So you do that math. You know, now that you're bringing the numbers, I wanted to pull in this little article here just to add some, uh, you know, perspective to the discussion. I came across this a while ago, and I think it's interesting just for reference. It's by David Sirota. It's from an article called We've Always Had the Money for Medicare for All. We've Just Given It to Corporations Instead. And just to add a little parlance to this, I figured I would read an excerpt uh, from it, the middle section, to really kind of kind of lay this in. I w- I'll link this in the, uh, the show notes along with their article as well, Matt. So here we go. Under our current system, America is on track to spend roughly $52 trillion on health care in the next decade. This was written about a year ago. That includes both government programs, Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera, and household spending, insurance premiums, out-of-pocket costs, et cetera. Medicare for all would consolidate all of that spending under one program. Experts estimate that would require the government to come up with an additional $20 trillion and $36 trillion, money that would cover the out-of-pocket spending that households and employers would otherwise pay to insurance companies, drug companies, and other parts of the corporate-run healthcare system. Well, guess what? That happens to be almost exactly the amount of money our government committed to corporate bailouts since 2008. After 2008 financial crisis, lawmakers gave $700 billion in grants to big banks. And depending on how you count, the Federal Reserve additionally committed somewhere between $16 trillion and $29 trillion to large financial institutions following this. A decade later, amid the coronavirus outbreak, lawmakers passed another corporate bailout bill that will funnel $4 trillion to large corporations. So again, the same government that says we cannot afford 20 to $35 trillion over a decade to finance a Medicare for All program just gave corporate America between 20 and $35 trillion since the financial crisis roughly a decade ago. And that money was funneled to corporate America not just in absence of tax increases. It was the level the government was actually cutting taxes. And the picture gets even more absurd when you slightly broaden the frame and add in another $10 trillion that we nonchalantly spent on other items. For example, we spent $2 trillion on the Iraq War. We spent a combined $2.6 trillion on increases in the Pentagon's already giant base budget since its first post-9-11 budget. And we devoted about $5 trillion to the Bush and Trump tax cuts. End of excerpt. So that's just the, the numbers part I wanted to reference. So, you know, when you frame it, in any sense of just looking at the numbers, there's always becomes this game about, you know, things being too much. But then if we actually assess, well, what we've been spending our money on, nobody can admit it was a bad decision because then they basically are saying we've been doing a bad job, right? We haven't been good as lawmakers. 
Yeah, for sure. And then they just continue to perpetuate this lie that somehow these businesses that they continue to bail out are the reason for our high standards of living and, and the things that we have in the United States. And that if we didn't have these things, then there's no way that we could possibly like continue to prosper uh, as a civilization um, or a society. Well, the only analysis I think you can come away from it is, is like they know this. They actually do know this, but they don't believe healthcare is a human right. They don't. They don't believe. They don't no. believe food, water, or shelter are human rights. The pursuit of happiness. You. It's vague. You have the right. You have the right to be born. After that, you're kind of on your own. Absolutely. You know, and this is where I wanted to tie it into where uh, it, it's an interesting philosophical point I was thinking about when you brought this up, which is the implication of like what it means to be a citizen of a country, like because you know it's basically a social bond that's made before you even exist. And you're asked to accept it in various ways, right? Like this is the society you're in. These are the rules you must live by. These are the rights you have irregardless. So it's like, what does the citizen owe the country? And what does the country owe the citizen? Because when I think about it, it's like, if we can't keep each other in good health, what's the point in us having a defense system to keep other people from killing us? We need to be alive so they can kill us. We need to have lives worth keeping alive. So we want to prevent them from killing us, whoever our enemies might be. But like, if you're just like spending all this money so that your enemies don't attack you, but you don't actually take care of your people, it all seems for not to me. So I want to ask you, Matt, what do you think like the base social implication should be in that scenario? You know, like what does the citizen owe the country? You're asked to defend your country. You did defend this country. You know what I mean? Like historically, you could get drafted to go to war to defend the country. Like you're asked to do a lot for your country. Do you think the country should have to basically? give those type of rights in this modern time or is that asking too much my my honest opinion is, is i think that a country should um care for someone's basic needs uh those four things that you had had mentioned if so, they have the ability right if they have the ability which we do have the ability we don't have a revenue exactly. problem we have a spending i would problem. I, I wouldn't ask zambia to do this you know what i mean exactly like, uh, you uh, or haiti like, like you need to be realistic with your expectations right yes but a, but a modern you know prosperous country like like the united states we have the means to take care of the um most needy uh in our country and i think that that is something um you know they they always say to defend uh you know the american people and and take care of the american people but what does that mean to them that doesn't mean that they take care of their 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 needs as far as yeah we provide you know some wick and 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 some you know there's Medicaid and Medicare and, and, and those things. Um, but you know, there's countries that, I mean, there's, there's, uh, states that, you know, have d decided that they don't want to expand Medicaid, uh, or, or, or Medicare, uh, to, to cover, you know, citizens, uh, the, that are younger than 65 years old or, or whatever the criteria may be. Um, and I, and I find that atrocious. I mean, I, you know, I was, I, I was talking to, to somebody about this before and they were saying, well, somebody, they need the, the poor people who can't afford healthcare, um, to, 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 to pay a monthly, uh, premium for healthcare. They need, they need to have some skin in the game. They need to put something in, in because without that, then they think that everything is free and they don't understand the value of it. And I said to them, I was like, well, what if you gave them those basic necessities and you gave them a base, you gave them a platform to start from that it wasn't the bottom of the barrel and then they worked themselves up from there because they didn't have this fear of falling into this pit and being in the gutter and they were like wow that's that's 
That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, rising tide raises all boats, right? I mean, like, let's work on, let's work on, on these places, on these people that need the most from us. I'm okay to, 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 to give a little to, to help another person, right? Like, that's just how I am. And I, but here's the thing. I already think I give enough to the government to help another person. I would much rather my money go there than to go to Boeing or Lockheed Martin or somebody else to go build a bomb or spy on other Americans or whatever it may be, you know, it's an allocation issue from our, from our government, but they don't care. They're there to perpetuate the game, right? Like you said, to share power, to, 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 to bail out banks because somehow the banking industry, uh, is the, uh, is the preeminent industry that, you know, takes care of all others, you know, in, in, in this world. So I think that there should be, um, I think that the contract should include universal health care, the basic health and well-being of its citizenry. Yeah, I mean, I think that should be like the aim of like a modern civilization and society to move towards that goal where like you can establish those baseline, baseline of Maslow's hierarchy of needs for people. And then like the concept of freedom actually becomes something exploratory. You actually do have it to a complete degree you didn't have before. That's not saying it'd be necessarily fair for everybody. There's no way of ever doing that because as we know, like that's not the way the world works. And like, uh, you probably have to make it some horrifying, like sci-fi future to turn everybody into the exact same version with the exact same genetics. Well, like, one of the things that outcomes, so one of the, if you can give people those basic needs, at least you, like you said, you don't have that sort of Damocles dangling over their that's head right. where the, where it's the fear of losing everything that, that ex- drives you to accept something you don't enjoy. You know what I mean? It's like an, it's a form of indebted servitor essentially. Or you can't even like you, like we just talked about you, you can't even you're, you're working so hard to survive in general that you can't even afford to participate in a program that would help you have a safety net and, and be insured in, in case some catastrophic thing happened. You, God forbid you're in a car accident for Christ's sake, or you just trip and fall and break your arm. And then you got to go to the emergency room. Um, you know, I, somebody I know that just had a night in the emergency room, um, and, and, uh, or not, not in the hospital. And it was $36,000 without insurance. Yeah, seen, it was $36,000. I remember in the beginning, like you'd see like the, I survived COVID posts with like $500,000, like, Emergency medical bills. For yeah. The from the yeah. I mean, I'm talking about one night. This is one night. One night. Yeah, yeah. Grand, right. They ended up paying, mm-hmm. I think, somewhere under two thousand dollars because they they luckily they were insured through their through their employer. But I mean, that's a ridiculous amount of money. Well, I mean, bro, like it's all a huge grift in so many ways. I mean, like for example, usually a huge part of uh, you know ER trips and ambulance trips they could off put it on the state is ambulances picking up homeless people, you know, for whatever myriad medical issues. Homeless people might get picked up hundreds of times mm-hmm. over the course of the year because, you know, they're on drugs, they're alcoholics, they got mental health problems. Well, guess what? That all just gets off put it onto the taxpayer because somebody has to foot that bill. And those numbers are insanely inflated and aggregated. So it's like instead of us having, you know, structures in place to try to prevent these costs, like actual preventative care, you know, things that you would associate like it all becomes stuff that helps bloat the cost of healthcare and Medicare for this country later. Like you said, people who think they're dying because they have heartburn. You know, if we had a healthier 
practices in this country, you wouldn't be having these situations happening. Well, as I mean, so why, there's why so much is, more, more we could be doing. Why right? is healthcare? Why is healthcare for profit in general? I mean, why is there? What you know? Everything, every, everything's for profit in capitalism. Well, right? I mean, of course it is. I'm just saying is that I mean, but once you get profits involved with people's health, I mean, the whole idea of taking care of somebody goes out the window. That's not that's not the goal. That's not that the goal. It's not taking care of somebody. Capitalism, you got to no, take it's not, but what I'm saying is, but what, that's what I'm saying. The goal, once you put the money involved in it, once the profit becomes, the profit is the goal. The well-being of that person, that individual, that, that, that customer of your care or your, or your, or your, your insuring is not the goal. That's not the goal. The well, the, their well-being is not the goal. The profit of whoever your shareholder is, or um, you know, a CEO that makes seventeen million dollars, uh, you know, a year. Um, you know, I mean, even let's talk about let's talk about the hospitals again. I mean, they they're considered for-profit, you know, some uh, non-for-profit. A lot of them, um, you know, entities, but. I've seen their I've seen their pay of the of the top executives of these hospitals, and it's in the millions of dollars a year. Well, here's the thing, and it's another part of capitalism. If they don't offer those salaries, how will they get those quality employees for those jobs? They'll go to private alternatives where the pay is higher. That's true. They will, but that's so. There's the argument about the doctors, right? You know, the doctors get go outside. I mean, like, look at, let's talk about the UK system, right? So, like, they talk about that all the time that there is long lines and queues to get certain, um, you know, care uh, in the United in the United Kingdom. But the rich people, you know, they can bypass that and they 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 buy their own private insurance and they can get in right away, you know. But at the same time, I've heard other people speak that said they work for insurance companies in the United States and their whole their whole job was to spread disinformation about. Those public systems uh, yeah. in Canada and uh, the the European Union. Um, it's interesting. So I've been doing um, I've been doing the Wim Hof method and, and listening to his books and stuff. And I don't know if people know, like you know, for a while he was basically like a squatter, right? So he lived in a in a squatter. The, the Iceman himself. And yeah, he squatted in a house. And then um, after his wife died, he was uh, in uh, the Netherlands, and they. They did exactly what you said. So they took him and his four kids and they put him in an apartment and they gave him a stipend to live on. And he lived on that, that measly stipend that, that took care of their food and basic needs, health care, all of those things until he was able to get himself back on his feet and, uh, and, and, and pursue the, his, this dream that he had of, of bringing you know, his method of, of, of cold exposure to the world. And so think about that. Without that foundation, he wouldn't have had the freedom – to pursue the things that he actually was passionate about that actually benefited a and ton by, of people. And by being able to pursue those passions, look at how much you know joy and health and knowledge that's ended up reverberating. Like you, you've been doing the win-off method. Absolutely. Thousands of people do it. Millions of people do it possibly. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's tons of proven health benefits from doing you know, that cold water. Deep so that's, water that, stuff, I mean, so. that's one example. Yeah. And then, you know, but that's one example, but it just made me think of that. I'm like, man, like they, they gave him a safety net. He didn't go on the streets begging on the corner with his four children, you know, with a, with a cup asking for money from anybody. Yeah. Uh, he, he was put up in a, in a, and, 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 and those kids weren't shamed and living in, 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 uh, you know, and soaked clothes and you know go you know they were probably like in a place where they could had access to clean clothes and and and, and washing machines etc went to normal schools weren't treated any differently than 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 any other student um and they weren't shamed so they didn't just damage generation after generation of people 
and uh, and then you can you then they're in this this cycle that they're never going to get out of. It's just it's just imp- it's just poverty, poverty all around. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, this good quote off. You know, you're talking about that uh, by Stephen Jay Gold, which is just I'm somehow less interested in the weight and convolutions of Einstein's brain than in the near certainty that people of equal talent have lived and died in cotton fields and sweatshops, which might as well be McDonald's or, or Walmart today. The, the idea that there are these amazingly brilliant genius people who have dreams and ideas that could be helping the human race reach further heights, but they're forced under the sort of Damocles of capitalism to toll away at, in, in, the, in the hearth of the belly of the beast doing whatever retail manual labor demands of them because they need substance. They need food. They need water. They need shelter. They weren't born into money. They don't have that backdrop. They don't have connections to help them. That's the vast majority of people. I don't think most people understand that. Like if you came from a middle upper class background, you are in the minority for the most part, you know, like if you had a stable family, good background, good job, you didn't worry about food on the table. Like that is not normal for most of the modern world. Like you, you, you had it pretty good. So it's very difficult to put yourself outside of that idea where like not making money that one week could mean you don't have shelter. Like you might not, hey, you might not be able to eat at all that week. You might be eating packets of, uh, you know, ketchup. <laughs> like uh, the, the idea is unfathomable to a lot of people. So you really have to put yourself outside of it about like, what is it like to strive for the basic needs of humanity and what would granting those do to us as a society? Like, I really do believe, like you said, if we had more Winhoffs, more people capable of pursuing these things, it's just crazy to think what we'd be capable of. So, yeah, if everybody had a foundation that was above the poverty line that they that they knew that they could that they could rely on, people just think about how many more people would would decide would make decisions, would, would go down a road and say, you know what, this, this road isn't for me. Now I want to change and I want to explore this road over here. I want to I do, this is what I'm really passionate about. But I can't even begin to think about breaking away and breaking the cycle and getting out of the rat race that I'm in right now because I can't change careers because – or, or, or because I'm stuck. I'm stuck here. This is where I'm at. This is, I, I have, I have, I'm comfortable here. Um, or maybe I'm really uncomfortable here. But I mean, comfort in the sense of having the healthcare, having the, having the, um, the, 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 the basis to, to be the income to be able to take care of your family, um, just barely uh, have a house or, or whatever it is. But you can't even. Divert. It's hard to divert from that in the system that we're that we live in now. Yeah. Because. And I think it's getting harder and harder because the cost of everything is rising. I mean, the home, the cost of living is is rising. The cost of uh, a house is rising. The cost of um, renting a place is rising. And and so you're you're getting more and more trapped in the current road, the current trajectory that you're on. You're you're trapped. Like I mean, think about this. They're saying that people are quitting their jobs. There are record numbers this summer, right? Because of everything. Because they're, ma- they're making more from unemployment, right? Than, well, not even uh, that. They're just they're just realizing that, like you know what, this wasn't for me, you know. So what is that going to? What is that? Is there going to be a strain on our on our system, on our already broken system, to to take care of these people? Are there going to be more people that don't find you know whatever opportunity that they're that they're seeking the the greener pastures and something else? Um, so I, it's interesting. Like people are leaving their jobs for other jobs, um, but even then, Dev, like think about this: How long does it take with a with a new employer to to have your health care kick in? Ninety days. Yeah. Right. So you're in, uninsured for ninety days. 
like when do you find this new job? Well, you're working full time at your old job. Do you have a family of any kind to take care of kids old, you know, parents, anybody? Listen, I will give it up to anybody that can go to school, learn or learn something new or, um, you know, get certified in something that, that has children, um, and has a family. Uh, it seems to me, I just had a, I just had a second kid, um, in April and, um, Man, the, the 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 sheer demand on your time is exponential from the first kid. It's not just it's just not plus one, right? Um, it, it, it's much much greater. And 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 finding those times to be able to do that, you really have to burn the midnight, you know, the burn the candle at both ends and the midnight oil to to make uh, any kind of those those, those things happen. So I, I anybody that can do that, it's either that or your children suffer <laughs> in some way. Or your relationship suffers and you're willing to sacrifice that for the time being or, or whatever it is. Um, but it's really, really freaking hard, man. It really is. Like once you get like locked into to life um, in a certain um, in a certain way, then you're you're kinda you're kinda there. Yeah, like you said, you know, like uh wrap it all back to being a thing's just like idea you're free. Once you really get locked in, you, you don't feel like you have any decisions you're making almost. You literally feel kinda like you're on a roller coaster in some ways, but you're on a track. You feel like I'm not even in control of the ride. The ride's just taking me on these ups and downs and twists and turns. Yeah, you but feel like, like you're on even, those you feel like you're on those not, ro- on those rocket roller skates, you know what I mean? Like that inspector gadget shit. Yeah. And like you're, 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 like, but you're like you're you're compelled to make all these decisions. You don't really feel like I have a free choice. Or like I don't even want to make this decision. It's like nope, got to make this decision or else this will happen. You know, got to pay the bill this month. Got to put food right. on the table. Gotta no, do this. It's, it's a like, weighted. Yeah, no, I, it's I, a I, weighted. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's a weighted decision. It's not. It's not a decision from like a, a like a blank canvas. It's not like a free like free of any pressure. Right. There's always some external external pressure that's that's pushing you in one direction or another to make that decision. Right. And, and it's, and, and it's hard to just, it's hard to just to do the things that you You just want to do once you're, once you're, once you're down the road, once you're down the path, it's hard to U-turn. Right. And to end things, I think that'd be like a cool thing just to think about, which is like, just conceptually, we should think about like, what would work look like if we had these basic needs fulfilled, you know, like, they, you would need to be compelled to be a McDonald's. Or ask now. yourself this: What would no, you no, be? But, but, what would you be doing? Let's say you let's say hey, you reach not, let's say you, every, let's say you reach thirty five years old and you were um, and you were a, a data analyst for the last fifteen years of your life after you got out of college. If you had your basic needs met and you weren't going to be living on the street and you had your basic health care, like you said, a modest little place that you that was that was decent enough, not rodent and rat infested and, 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 and you know, infested with, with uh, insects, what would you do? What decisions would you make? That's what I'm saying. Like, we should just think about, like, how employment would be reshaped because it would change the nature of capitalism in itself because you would have to compel people really, really hard to do really shitty jobs. Right now, the reason so many people work shitty jobs is capitalism forces them to. They're broke and they're going to stay broke and capitalism keeps them broke. But if they had all those needs fulfilled, I can't offer you minimum wage to work at Walmart. You aren't going to put up with that shit for minimum wage because guess what? Minimum wage won't get you a lot, even if you fucking have all these basic needs met. All of a sudden, you need to make this a good job. You need to pay me a good wage. You need to make this much more respectable. You need to make me want to be in this environment. Guess what? Otherwise, I could go work at a homeless shelter. I could go like do like a beach cleanup. I could like go be like a, a park ranger. All those things might pay way less 
than working at McDonald's or Walmart because people are actually compelled to do those things because they want to help people. Mm. They want to be out in nature. Mm. They want to do those things. The jobs that really suck, that pay nothing, janitor. So you're saying also like the collateral. All of a sudden, those jobs would be the most expensive jobs. Being a CEO for the most part, it's tough because a lot of like stress is on you to make money. And if you don't make money, you don't get to keep making money. But the actual stress of the job on you physically and mentally, a lot of it's talking to people on the phone, being on a computer, it's interesting. That, it it's is, interesting. You know? that, it's interesting that you brought up like the collateral benefit of that, the things that are un, un, unseen, like on its surface. So, if you had more time, and, and there was, and, and you had a basic, and your basic needs were met, would you be better stewards of the earth? Would you go do yeah. those passions that didn't pay a lot, but they were more rewarding for you and your soul? And there might be people like not everyone's going to be Winhoff, not everyone's going to be Einstein. And not everybody has altruistic human nature in the core of their soul. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that person would need at least – it would benefit the person who's shallow to be like, you know what? Capitalism should care at me to do shitty jobs. I shouldn't be forced to work shit jobs and then somehow you know, through connections or education or through any of these trips and shoots and ladders find a way to climb the pyramid. It should be like there should be no pyramid. It should be a flat level. And if you can work from that – now, like freedom and employment and choice and all these things, you can completely like restructure what people want to do. And it would change, like I think, the nature of capitalism, like I said, because a lot of businesses, they're based on compelled employment. Like people basically don't have a choice but to work for them. Well, if people actually had a choice, what type of businesses would we have? What businesses would flourish? What type of like needs would we want? We wouldn't be as much of consumers because we wouldn't be as compelled to have all this needless shit, you know? Well, and think about this. When desperation goes away, so does violence, right? So does some of exactly. the violence in the inner so city. So does crime, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So all of those things, when you when you raise that bar, when you raise that base level, and you can take care of people, then they're not scrambling to try to, to, try to just hustle to, in whatever means necessary just to survive. Right. Yeah, we talked about this before in the past. I forget which episode, but I think it was when we were talking about, you know, like racial injustice, where if you have no money, then things like your reputation are far more valuable. Than That's right. Almost anything. Yeah. It becomes more valuable than your life. Yeah. Your street cred because, is because, more. Because what, your life doesn't mean anything without your reputation mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you're broke. Yep. Yep. And like pe- people can't put those two things together. Like you're put into this crazy situation where like, oh, like how can you throw their life away? Like that? Because your life doesn't mean anything if people don't respect you. Mm-hmm. Because you're forced to be around these people in this environment and things will happen to you if you get a certain reputation in those environments. And you have to act and you have to act a certain and you have to act a certain way or you become yeah. or you become the food. <laughs> yeah, you become a target. You're the prey, right? Mm-hmm. You know? It's either hustle or be hustle, right? That's 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 how it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, fu- it's funny. It's funny how it circles back to like another episode entirely, but it's the same psychological concept, right? Because we're talking about the same things. Because we're talking it. about the same things. We're talking about the basic needs of humans' exi- existence, right? To basic things that humans need to exist. And if we can mm-hmm. take care of those things, then every then, then it just eliminates so many other other problems, other things that that, that are derived from that. From that desperation and from that poverty and from that place of fear. Yeah. And on my final note, like, it's exactly like you said. Like, if you could just provide those needs and eliminate those things, it would just establish this core onset where we wouldn't be compelled to do so much that we don't want to do. And I think that's like why I feel like we're on this, like, you know, 
roller coaster of a society where everyone feels like, you know, all I can do is vote as a consumer, which is meaningless. Like, like, hey, you're going to solve climate change by driving an electric car or, or not eating or eating impossible burgers. Hmm. Like, that's not going to stop climate change. Well, it's like, OK, well, then you need to go through the official channels. Say the people who run the official channels where nothing changes. It's why, like, Medicare for all is popular, but nobody talks about it and it'll never get passed. And there's not even a bill on the floor or something because we have a situation, I think, where we're all so compelled to just keep paying attention to getting our basic needs met. We can't ever pay attention to the bigger picture or really think about it and have these type of psychological discussions about it. You know, most people are too compelled by like, hey, I got to put food on the table next week, asshole. I can't think about this stuff even. Can't it's going to give me a headache. That. Yeah. It's going to give me a headache, man. How is this going to help me like, you know, pay rent next month or yeah. get my kid, you know, like like what he needs to like go to college? It's the immediate like, need. It's my, what's my, I need the immediate need. I need a direct return so yeah, that I can so continue like, to prosper and move forward or continue just it, to survive. So I think that's like the big linchpin ultimately in like restructuring and improving society would be helping these core uh, basic needs get met. And at that point, then people would be in a position to be more educated and spend the time to think about these things and have these discussions. You're not so compelled to be in this perpetual cycle of just trying to keep yourself alive and situated in this crazy. I got got one more more thing on that. I got one more thing on that. And some of the people that I've talked to about things like that, like universal income or, um, or universal basic income, or, um, for example, like you said, healthcare or, um, you know, universal healthcare or, or whatever. One of the things that they say is, well, if they get this, what do I get? If they get this, what do I get? You know, who's they, who's they, you are they. Well, you are they, and that's the only thing. You are they. And here's the thing: if it, we're all connected, they, it's it's like they lose the idea that, like that, that. Yes, we. So, in the United States, we perpetuated this idea that you are this rugged individual and you can do anything by yourself, right? It's like a, yeah, fi- hey, it's the finite game, right? It's the finite you're, game. You're you're, you're you're an independent particle floating through space, bouncing off of other particles with no tangent connection to each other. Zero, right? And so that mentality, right, is that what do I get? Well, we just discussed what you get, right? Society is better off in general if you give these people something to raise them up. And now you and your status, maybe you don't go up. Maybe you're still the same. But, 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 but all of it is better. Everything is better. The crime rate goes down. The, 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 the drug use might go down as far as the chronic drug use goes down. You know, all, all of that stuff, you know, that, that you complain about goes away. I'm not sure which ones of your, you know, your friends make this point, but I'm, I'm sure they bring up the word and they use the word deserves, right? Like if you ask them really well, why wouldn't you want like everybody to get these benefits you get? And they'll say some people, maybe not without naming those people, whether it's racist, sexist, classist, but they don't deserve it. They haven't earned it. They don't represent America. They don't share my values. They, they, they. They're it's lazy. Ability to, like, They're, but, but, they have the same opportunity as everybody else. They just need to work harder. Like you said, you need a better job. You know, you, you don't like that job. You go to school, you get another job. Well, if I'm working three jobs, how do I go to school, raise my daughter and then better myself? Like, what, what are you but, talking but about here? That becomes the thing where like, it just, it's so disassociated to me where it's like, you might even be right. And I'm not saying like, you know, whoever says that about anybody. Cause like I said, it could be racist, could be sexist, could be classist, 
But in theory, you could pick some people don't work harder than other people. I think it's some just people, selfish. Hey, I think hey, it's, so, I think it's a self-centered, people, I think it's exactly. a self-centered view of the world. But, but to finish that thought, it's like some people don't work as hard as you. Some people don't share your morals and values. Some people aren't going to help society as much as you. That still doesn't mean you shouldn't want them to be alive and be fed and have health care. And be happy and live a good life. Like, but if you can't like want your basic fellow man, like, like they don't deserve the necessities of life. You're basically saying like other people don't deserve to be alive. And I'd say based on how we treat homeless people, how we see a lot of people treat the lower classes, that really is a core tenet of a lot of people's belief in the society is they don't think these people deserve to be alive. They just deserve to work, you know, shit retail jobs and be our little little food slaves to make us burritos at Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's yeah. that type of twisted perspective about like what people deserve. Because if you give people health care, like I said, that means they deserve it. And these people go, they don't deserve it. They should have to earn it by paying. Well, it's for like it. what I said that, that with money. It's like what I said. Right. It's, it's, how much you pay for it? The, the, those same people who I who I'm who I'm who I'm bringing up are are the ones that are like, well, they should have skin in the game because then they won't realize how much things cost. Because they they don't deserve it. They don't have skin in the game. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve the necessities of life. They, I don't like me. I, I, I I've earned it. Therefore. I should keep getting it. They, by whatever qualitative standards that I choose, don't. Therefore, they should have to work the shit and you job killed possible. It. And you, and you just, but you just alive. nailed it, dude. You just nailed it. I, I, I. You said I yeah. three times in that. So that's what I mean. It's this self-centered like view. This like this this this, this their their paradigm is only from their own perspective. It doesn't ha- it doesn't take anything into consideration that anybody else is 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 worthy as they are. Yeah, and I mean, like, they always say that argument about society, like how you treat like the lowest parts of society, is reflective of like moralistically where the core of your society is going. And you know, our society is clearly going the wrong direction on that. But at least these are discussions we're having. You know, I do think like Medicare for all and healthcare for all will be constant discussions going forward. There could be a sea change. Uh, we ain't gonna stop talking about it. Uh, well, I mean, we will on this podcast, but in general, we ain't gonna <laughs> stop talking about it. We'll keep it moving. Uh, thanks again for bringing up this conversation, Matt. I love the topic. No, it was I good, man. We jumped in. We got we got deep on that one and some philosophical, you know, looking at the at society and and what what constitutes, you know. I, I love the question that you asked about, you know, what is the contract between a government and 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 an, an individual, right, a citizen. Um, I, I thought that was really good. I'm honestly, like, man, I'm just yeah. happy to be back and and doing this again. I can't wait until the studio is done and oh, yeah. you're going to be back there and we'll be back together. Uh, doing it because I always think that that's a little bit more energy as far as that's concerned. So that'll be a great thing. Um, but yeah, no, as always, thank you for spending, you know, almost an hour with me and, uh, and discussing this. I hope everybody that's listening, uh, enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, if you do enjoy it, you know, spread the word, it's been a little sparse, but you know, our goal was to get 12 in this year. I think this is two. Uh, so we got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're getting, we're getting in bro. You got your hands full, but you're doing good things. Thanks again, as always for the time. And we will come back at you, ladies and gentlemen, when we have another hot topic to discuss. Much love to all. As always, peace. Peace and love.